0: Fulhamish is back for the season by Lab Brooks. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime.
1: Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James and on tonight's show, it's all the fallout from Spurs on Saturday as Fulham played their 1,000th top flight game under the Wembley arch. I mean, in total, not at Wembley, that would be weird. And fell victim to Harry Kane's first August goal in 1,069 minutes. If only that goal came in the first half, uh, the two numbers might have matched and it would have been perfect for my intro. Alas, on a day where Tesco's official Twitter account tweeted a Fulhamish branded GIF for some unknown reason, it's good to see I've got Fulham's finest in the studio tonight. A man who loves everyday value, Don Betts. Hello, hello. The Tactics Express, Ben Jarman. Hello, hello. And every little helps, so we thought we'd get in Jack Collins. (laughs) (laughs) He's been done in there. Hello, listeners. done in. Hello, listeners. I'm mugged off. So tonight's reaction from Spurs and a debate about ticket prices. And, of course, your questions at the end. Three-word reviews, Jack Collins, if you'll still speak to (laughs) me. No,
0: fuck off. (laughs) Um, Let's go with Instagram this week, shall we? We mix it up on IG. Mix it up, we're going to go on the IG forum as opposed to the Talking Bird forum. And we're going to start. Dean Jones BR, season starts, dot dot Burnley. I like that one. Marcus KVI, remember, it's Spurs. Matty Mann says, not good enough. Louis says, Spurs quality showed. Isaiah Rice, quality is there. Holly Gilbert, Fulham v England.
1: Well, <laughs> it was uh, a man who replicated some of his England form, Kieran Trippier, uh, which unfortunately was the difference on Saturday. Uh, ben, uh, line-up was a bit of a shock, to say the least. Fosu AK-47 and Anguissa uh, in for Christie, Scherler and McDonald. Is Slav just trying to figure out his best 11 at the moment?
2: Well, yeah, I think so, and that's why he's made so many changes. I was a bit surprised to see Anguissa in there straight away, um, especially after the performance of McDonald last week. I didn't think he was too bad, Um, but he's only had a few days worth of training and um, I think he could have done with a little bit more gelling, but I thought his initial performance in a Fulham shirt was really good.
1: Were you upset, though, to see Christie dropped, Jack? I thought that I don't think he warranted a dropping, really, after his performance against against Crystal Palace.
0: Yeah, of course. I think he's a you know a potent attacking threat and his, his final ball against Palace was often lacking but as we said on the podcast last week his ball in created two of Fulham's best chances of the entire game so you know you lose a little bit of that attacking outlet I thought that potentially it was a tactical change to try and you know be a little bit more defensive in in that regard and to to kind of shore us up a little bit at the back it didn't really work in in that sense either but I thought Foster Mensah did all right to be honest he you know he didn't shine i don't think but he also didn't make a fool of himself so it was a very sort of steady debut i thought from from the man united man
1: um dom we spoke about in the build-up how are fulham going to cope with a team like spurs in the fact that we're not going to dominate possession we're going to maybe have to try and find a plan b uh, potentially if we are to kind of overcome spurs attacking brilliance what did slav go with in the end what kind of tactics do you think he chose i think he.
3: St- stay to what the Slavs sort of tactics are going to be like because we saw how well the midfield was linking up I think there was a, there was obviously a couple of mistakes made in defence in the first half I mean the ones that stick out to me is when Chambers sort of gave the ball away but I think that was more obviously the one that left Harry Kane's offside goal but I think that was more down to maybe Serry passing the ball to him Maybe unexpectedly, and obviously that he gave away the ball, and then obviously thankfully Harry Kane was offside Or maybe it was a foul on Fabry. I believe it. I, I didn't really yeah, realise what it was. Yeah, what, it, what, it was what, it, what it was at the time. But yeah, apart from that, I thought the players played played pretty well. I mean, a lot of them haven't played together as we said. Anguisa's has only been there for three days, but I think Anguissa is going to be our our starting centre midfielder in in the deep in the deepest role because he's a lot more. Um, I'm not saying he's more physical than McDonald, but I think he's more of a physical presence there. I think he's obviously a lot more mobile. And he looked very, very comfortable on the ball. So I think he will be starting holding midfield. I was actually really surprised to see Sherlock be dropped, to be honest. Yeah. Because I thought he was arguably one of our best attackers against Crystal Palace. I thought he was a lot better than success I thought Mitrovic played well, but he was getting into the... Channels in the inside four positions too much. So he's picking the ball up, and then there'll be no one in the middle of place. So I was quite surprised that Shirley got dropped. But yeah, I think Stav got his tactics pretty much spot on. We pretty much just got done by a quality piece of set piece skill by Kieran Trippier Because until he scored that goal, I mean, it was a very, very even game.
1: I mean, when's the last time that Fulham only had 40% possession in a game? It's a got, long time it's ago. Got, maybe even the Spurs game at, in the FA Cup a couple of seasons ago. I think that's got to be the last time, really.
2: Uh, you're sat there thinking, I know what it feels like for opposition fans last season now. It's at times when you're sort of begging for them to give the ball back to us. Yeah. And um, But I thought, as Dom said, we played really well, especially when after we equalised, it was a 20-minute period just after half-time where Fulham were really on the ascendancy. And it was it wouldn't be a, a shock to see us go in front. And obviously there were a couple of uh, opportunities for, for Mitrovic. Um, he hit the post, and obviously there was that one as well. where He sliced wide of the target kind of in the second half. It, didn't he? Yeah, he really tried to lever it when it probably a placement would have been a better uh, option there.
1: Uh, Fosse Mensa's challenge on Kane was a, was a little bit clumsy. Jack not given a, as a penalty though. Uh, Spurs were definitely dominant in the first half.
0: Absolutely, as you'd it, expect.
1: Yeah, well, we we
0: just looked like we were a little bit scared of them, and and you kind of expect that with the quality that they obviously have. You know, it's it's interesting I think to note that something you know we actually played best when we tried to impose our own style and you know that that's a good sign going forward because you'd imagine that as this team starts to gel that that's what Slav's going to try and do and it's kind of refreshing to see that even though it didn't you know work out in terms of a score our best periods of play came when we went and tried to take the game to Spurs on their own patch you know against a, a top 4 club that's a you know a huge statement of intent uh, and i think that ultimately across the course of the season, that's something that will stand us in good stead to to take teams on. And yes, you know, it was, you know, there were clumsy challenges. There was a lot of misplaced passes in the back four in the first half. There were moments where you were like, oh, we've got away with one there, only for the ball to be passed out to Spurs 30 yards from goal, which was, you know, kind of insane because, you know, there's one thing clearing your lines and, and, you know, we obviously don't like to hoof the ball away, but putting yourself right back in the line of fire, just as you've got away with one doesn't seem like a potentially good plan.
1: Well that was kind of how Lucas Moore's opening goal came. Great finish, don't get don't get me wrong, but maybe Chambers just could have got a little bit more on on the clearance. It, it meant that Fulham were in trouble quite quickly.
3: I thought that with Mora's goal, it looks a lot worse watching the highlights back. Oh, how has he got so much space? There's about six, seven men in the box. But he does sort of make a sort of backwards run towards the edge of the box because he was obviously on the byline on the right hand side. And he sort of he has a lot of space on the ball. But I, th- I think all the players are obviously going to be focused on Harry Kane because you know he's, he's the absolute danger man in the box, one of the best strikers in European football. But I th- yeah, I thought defensively in the first half, we were a bit we kept giving the ball away in stupid positions where we're not used to. But I mean, Slav sort of summed it up in his post-match interview when he sort of set, said that Spurs are a lot more synchronised than us. Because mm. obviously... They, there's no new players. I mean the new the new players to them are Lucas Moore and Eric Lamella because they hardly played our season. So I think yeah, it's just players understanding each other's game more than anything else. I don't think it was actually down to Spurs being a lot better than us. I think it was just, yeah, if we were if our team was synchronized as Slav like to say a lot better. I think I think we would have possibly got something out of this game. I mean I thought in in the first half we did we obviously did have our chances. I mean I really enjoyed in- like uh, Joe Bryan's sort of inverted fullback run through to the middle of the park, which then obviously Kamara set up Kenny's chance from distant, which is well saved by Hugo Lloris. Serie again played a wonderful 1-2 with or Kamara that set up Cesc's chance. But So we had chances in the first half. We just didn't have as many as in, we did in the second, obviously. And, but I still think there were sort of positives to take from the first half performance.
1: At second half, I thought Fulham got themselves back into the game really, really well. It was in a difficult spot, Ben, being 1-0 down at half-time to a team like Spurs we could definitely have folded and they could have just kind of ran away with the game in the second half but we certainly didn't do that and the build up for our goal was absolutely exceptional I believe all 11 players touched the ball in the build up which is incredible Um, you might have seen the Fulhamish fan cam which is uh, a new thing that Jack Kelly's doing on YouTube and definitely check it out if you haven't he spoke to Tom Kearney of all people after the game which is an incredible coup so well done to Jack Um, but the guy that opened the fan cam said it was the worst goal he'd ever seen I mean, what? What
0: well, the Mitrovic goal? What? Yeah. It, I mean, I think maybe. It's understand, the I understand where he's coming from. Yeah, in terms of aesthetics, it's hardly beautiful, is it? It's oh, one I mean, build up. One, Ces has to score. Yeah. And yeah. no one's talking about that because we got away with that. But if Mitro hadn't been in the middle and hadn't, you know, had the kind of, you know, dexterity and you know forward thinking nature to to get on the end of that and direct into the goal, we'd be going ballistic. I at I thought Cess was quite
1: one. clever. I thought it was. Him. He I mean, has definitely missed kick. I mean, yeah, is he's, not he's the should.
3: back of the inside of his foot and just yeah. about, Mitro's just about onside to nod it in with his head. I mean, it's a great cross actually by Joe Bryant at about post.
0: Joe Bryant, you can't obviously, it's, it's difficult to say when he had so, when he had up against Trippier and Trippier had so much joy on that right hand side in the first half. It's difficult to, you know, obviously then lavish praise upon the left back. But considering he was isolated by, you know, cameras' lack of tracking in, in the first half, I thought Joe Bryan had an excellent game. Like yeah, he did. Really he was game. he
3: was really good, at making these sort of inverted fullback runs. Yeah. It was a lot of the time we saw sort of when when Target was playing last year, he'd go down the byline. But Brian was making quite quite a lot of good inside runs, and even before we scored, when we obviously Mitrovic hit the post. I mean, Kamara set up Tisu, who's played a phenomenal ball into event unfortunately just hit the post. I thought that was in, to be honest, from the concourse. Obviously, not. <laughs> we wouldn't <laughs> expect not, you to not, be back in not, the not, seat not, of that. Not, not the stand. But I mean, even and even after that, um, when uh, Kamara set up Mitrovic again, but he you know, unfortunately scuffed his finish. So, Kamara, yes, defensively was very suspect, but I think he was quite critical to the, yeah. a lot of the chances we set up.
0: I don't think Kamara had a bad game. He just left. Trippier yeah, with the room, yeah, you know, that's, all that's, the room in like, the world. To going exploit.
3: forward, I thought Kamal was better than usual.
0: Yes, like I agree.
3: in in regard to setting up his his, uh, his fellow teammates.
0: But yeah,
1: said something about Wembley.
0: Maybe probably, but I think there's the point. Going back to the point about the goal, it, it's not aesthetically pleasing, is it? Yes, the build-up's nice in terms of how it goes around all eleven players, but the end, the end result is just a bit of a scrap, isn't it?
1: Worst goal you've ever seen? Did he literally no, 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 see it was a... Kevin McDonald's two goals last year? <laughs> <laughs> I suppose they have
0: you know sweet, sweet value, don't they? There's something there's something to be said for those goals as opposed to an equaliser. But yeah, I, I mean, no, I don't agree with it, but I can see the kind of. You know where where the point is coming from. It's not a pretty goal.
1: I mean, thank you for contributing to the fan cam. I'm not here to to, to slag the bloke off. Yeah, of off. course. But you know, if you if you put it out there, we'll have a debate. Um, Trippier's free kick, inch perfect strike. It wasn't exactly the same as the one that he scored for England in the World Cup. It was a lot further out. It was also on the other
0: side of the goal.
1: Yeah, but a lot of parallel... Very 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 little about it. (laughs) It was similar to the goal he scored for England. Everyone's been saying... No, the only similarity is is it goes in the back (laughs) of the net. It's a free (laughs) kick. It's a free
3: (laughs) kick. (laughs) He uses his right foot and it goes in the back of the net. That's where the similarities end. Well,
0: I mean, it's not... (laughs) It's a much better free kick than the one he scored for England, if I'm honest.
1: Okay. Well, yeah, it's much further out.
0: Well, it's further out, but also the one against England isn't actually in the corner. It's just sort of on the other side of the goal and the keeper just weird he doesn't move it's, it's a weird free kick that one it's a, it's a well-hit well hit strike well no it's like Wayne Rooney's free kick with DC United last week is not a good yeah, free yeah. kick it's in the middle of the goal <laughs> yeah it was like, but this one this one is in the postage stamp
1: yeah exactly this
0: one there's no keeper saving that that's there's, an unreal strike
1: there's a free kick that I always think was a terrible free kick but we we went wild for it Jimmy Bullard but versus Aston Villa. yeah it was a rubbish free kick awful no, it was the, the, the centre no, of the, the goal wor- a
3: worse free kick was uh, Dembele's against Wolves
0: <laughs> Oli Norwood last season Ollie Norwood against Just Derby through the middle of the <laughs> Carson. like <laughs> ludicrous that any of these free kicks went in. But no, but then but they scuffed is, it under the wall. I think that makes it worse. But Trippier's one this weekend was an excellent free kick. Let's oh, yeah. just yeah. come back to that. And it, it was it was a very it was very a very cool very, very level game until that moment of magic from Kieran
3: Trippi. Yeah. Was and it a bit that,
1: was it a bit clumbly? Clumbly. clumbly. <laughs> clumsy from Ankisa. I think, to, uh, it, I think it is because the,
3: the sort of the foul isn't when when you expect the foul to be. Yeah, yeah it's, it's bo- really odd. The ball's obviously made its way outside to the left wing and then Ankisa's just somehow fouled, De- I think it's Deli Alley in the middle of the park. I was like, but there was a time where you, you, you could have fouled him earlier and a more sort of a deeper position where they wouldn't have had much trouble because obviously would be on the other side of the pitch. But yeah, gave away the foul, but you can't really take anything away. You don't expect players to just bang in free kicks in
0: there. No, it's not a, It's not one that you go, oh, right, yeah, he has every right to score that. It's an unbelievable strike. And, and you know, when you get undone by a moment of magic from a top, top six side, then... Yeah. You know, you have to kind of accept that. Apart. I mean,
3: just before that, obviously, you had the great chance. Harry Kane had when I uh, was, it, I think, yeah, Trippier, Trippier, yeah, Trippier w- w- with the cross in, phenomenal cross as always from Kieran Trippier, and uh, yeah, Kane hit the bar. But my main issue in the second half is the third goal. Nice.
0: What, why does Eric Lamella not get taken out? Uh, also, before we even get to that, because that is a major issue, is a foul on Anguissa in the build up. Uh, as in the ball, there was just a foul at the other end of the pitch. The referee just goes, "No, nah, that's not a foul," and then it, and then to, off they go. No, to be fair, I don't know how Harry Kane didn't get a penalty in the first half. Uh, I think that I was think a it's little. probably he he does he stands on fosu first.
3: Yeah, I still think it's a clear clear foul in the clear. box. Clear. I think it's. I think he just pushes him over in the box.
0: But the, there's a there's contact. So if you're going to give it the first one, you've got to give the first contact, which is on Fosu-Mensah.
1: Nah. It's just <laughs> tomato, tomato, you know. <laughs> Tomate, tomato, uh, tomato. Yeah, because yeah, 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 the mella is, that is that allowed to gallop through the but midfield and i think then Chambers Yeah but the worst
3: thing
0: is there's literally about 5 or 6 players around him the entire time just someone clattering I am not sure what Steph's doing that's literally what Steph's come on for yeah, and exactly. that, and he and he's not and he's on and he looks he like gets really tired running back and
3: it's oh, a I really think strange it's thing to Steph worried see. to
1: shit house in the Premier League maybe I hope not that's you know Also what i found weird i saw someone
3: criticize Chambers instead of someone taking down Lamella and that goes, said he shouldn't be able to get Sherry Harry Kane on his right foot he moves that under his right foot so quickly I thought well, Sammy was next, about to say that was my next yeah. point
1: should can <laughs> can Chambers be criticized for allowing Kane to check back so easily was the next thing well, I, th- I think, I think Harry
0: Kane does it so quickly that you can't there's plenty of things to criticise Callum Chambers for in that game that isn't yeah. one of them
2: yeah that's not one of them I think one of the things that we have to be really really careful of is the adjustment to the pace of the Premier League Like it is so quick everything happens in a blink of an eye and I think we need to be ready for that it doesn't feel like we are at the moment we need to step it up a little bit That's my only panic.
1: Let's bring this on to Chambers, though. I just thought there were some alarm bells ringing throughout the game for me. I thought it was an okay performance against Crystal Palace, although I thought he lost... Jeffrey Schlupp in the build-up to his goal. Um, that one you mentioned where it's Trippier's brilliant cross. He loses Harry Kane. You've got long
3: loses... w- you when he gives the ball away in the first half. Obviously,
1: that's just a clear mistake. He also loses Harry Kane moments after Kane's goal and he just is free in the box. And that 100% should be 4-1. Now, you've got to feel for Chambers. He's against a world-class striker who has literally just won the Golden Boot in the World Cup. So it's not an everyday operation for for Chambers. But And you look at the player ratings on the website and he's by far the lowest rating on there. Uh, 4.9, the Fulhamish website users rated him.
2: I think Callum is a a very good defender and he has some astuteness to his game in that he's obviously clearly been told to play out the back and that's why there is risk there. And that's why he can be... You know, susceptible to losing the ball, but there are times when his decision making is nowhere near good enough. Mm. And uh, you 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 sort of can, and you can't blame a, a young player for lacking the concentration over the full ninety to stick with a striker such as Harry Kane. But he needs to be tighter, and he needs to listen to his to his uh, midfield colleagues and his defensive colleagues because there are times against Palace, it's particularly clear when he's being told to pick up players and he doesn't do it quick enough or he doesn't do it at all and i think the same goes for for Tottenham this weekend you it can't afford this level of space
0: it sounds harsh a little bit but you know there's a there's an argument to say that Callum Chambers is potentially you know to blame for you know two huge moments in the two huge games that we, you know in the two games we've played so far yeah. and the fact that Fulham have conceded on those two games has come down to two individual mistakes from Chambers early on mm. is there room for that you know, at this level, can we afford to take the time to get Chambers adjusted to the system while he's playing? Obviously, I, I mean, I'm not saying that like, throw him out. I'm just no, saying no, no, like, no. if is that does he need to be removed back into kind of you know the problem training right, and well, well? I think re, it's like uh, Adoy's back next week. It's just would abundan- you put
2: Adoy in there? No, it's for me. It's just abundantly clear that he's been to blame for for two of probably our our biggest turning points in both those games. There, that the Crystal Palace game, we were well on well on top and growing back into the game in the second half. And unfortunately, his error of judgment lets them back into the game. And it's the same for Spurs.
1: How odd, though, that Maxime Le Marchand shined so brightly. It's quite rare that you get one centre-back who we're lambasting here. And it was a fantastic performance okay. for, for Le Marchand.
0: And He's doing this job of two men, which makes him look more important. The
1: only it? problem was our fan base didn't
3: understand the, the, the chant. It just... It's annoying. Man. Well, go on then. You've you it for us. You have a platform. Well, well no, they, go were on, like, they, they got they got it all right until the last bit. It's like Maxime Lamarche on to the Mark Muñiz of by Yeah, Stoke no, City, I get it. But they don't. Same it, dumb. But, sing then, it dumb. But, then, but then what? Maxime Lamarche on. Maxime Lamarche on. Maxime Lamarche on. Then you need to get the right bit. He marched to Fulham with Serie and Fabry. Otherwise, you Fabri, surely. Whatever you want to say, potato potato, like but yeah, like, this it started in pre-season in France and it's going to continue
0: I'm, I'm all for it as long as you don't say Fabri, as if you're you know looking for I enjoyed yeah. how Fabri. you
1: turned into Dick Van Dyke when you were reminiscing that chant just suddenly got like 100% more Cockney I didn't you say might. anything oh no, Dom no, no, did Dom
2: yeah 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 fair enough yeah. <laughs> what happens mate <laughs> there you are football day there's a fridge freezer isn't it yeah. <laughs> diamond diamond. when everyone signed Seri everyone thought we were getting Le on like as a throw in like a completely free player that, you know, perhaps wouldn't do anything and probably come in as a third centre-back. And I think I was a little bit in that camp and I think all of us here were as well. But he's stepped up in these first couple of games in the Fulham show and given two really, really good performances. They said on the on the commentary of Manchester United versus Brighton yesterday, you always get one centre-back that is slightly less dominant than the other. And I think Le Marchand has taken the hold on the, the centre-defensive partnership of um, him and Chambers and really just stepped up to the plate, and he's been assured in all of his decision making. He's been, he's he's covered ground quickly. He's been very intelligent. And I think we're seeing, you know, some of the football that he played under um, uh, Claude Puel the first time around at Nice coming out to play now in the fact that he's being sensible with the ball, the fact that he's reading play very well. It all pretty much ties up to how he played under Puel at Nice. And Jack and I, you want to make a point? He's always he's also in the lucky shirt. He's in the Lucky 20 shirt. Fulham have an unbelievable,
0: I found this out the other day because I was thinking about it. Mm. Fulham have an unbelievable run of number 20s. Go on. So it's Piazzon. now obviously Le Marchand. It was Lucas Piazon, a fan favourite. Hugo Rodieger wore the shirt before that. Before that it was Dixon Otuhu, Brian McBride, Klaus Jensen and Louis Saha. Saha, yeah. That's an unbelievable camp of players for Fulham. There we go. They are. So, you know, he's sentence, in the lucky I shirt. He's in good Either company. very
1: good players or kind of like cult heroes. Yeah, fan yeah, 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 that's it. There's not an unpopular player in that there list There is actually a player in
0: here, but he didn't play, so I'm not counting him, Who which is Zachariah Labiad. Did play. He did play once. He was terrible. So I'm not counting him because, you know...
1: You're using stats to suit an agenda, basically.
0: I am, but I'm also... I, I don't yeah, that's feel like... my show in a few weeks. <laughs> yeah. It's always, you know, I feel like he have to have some sort of standing in the club to be included in the list. Fair enough.
3: I also think Maxine and Marshall might just be a Premier League quality team room.
0: Yeah, I was thinking yeah. this. He's just very assured,
3: isn't he? I've, I, From what I've seen, it's only been two games, but I would say our starting centre-back when everyone's fit w- would be Maxine and and Alfie Mawson.
0: Yeah, although they are both are left centre-backs by trade.
3: I know, that's... that's. It, can we just sign a couple of more like, right foot centre-backs? It might be helpful. No,
0: in fairness, Morrison's right-footed. He just plays left centre-back.
3: Yeah, I guess, but then we got Tim Ream and then the only other one you got is uh, Chambers, isn't it, unless...
0: Fosu Mensah could move there yeah, even, this was
2: something I saw touted Does, do people think that Fosu Mensah might start a centre back I think Slav has this tendency to have a player that he knows can play all the way across the back four yeah. like Adoy had done in the championship I think Mensah could be our Premier League version of Adoy should Adoy not feature and I don't think he will
1: Yeah, is, he, is it now that he's not suspended for Burnley
2: Because it's not a three-match suspension is now over.
1: Okay, so you just picked up a two-match suspension. It was it
2: it? was
0: supposed to be a one-match suspension because it's two yellow cards, but because he'd already been sent off that season, it rose to two.
1: Fair enough. You don't think about suspensions when it's in the final. Hashtag uh, facts. Yeah. Anyway, uh, overall conclusion, Dom. I thought that. It was a decent performance. We made a good account of ourselves again. And I don't think there's too much to be worried about at the moment. But I think it now makes Burnley and Brighton far more key. And we can't really afford in these next two games to be dropping too many more points. Because otherwise, we do then have a little bit of a difficulty. Because then we play Man City and it's all getting a bit ugly. Otherwise. I don't know, you've got a good record there, mate. Well, we do, yes. Yeah, so it's probably a <laughs> nailed on three points, but... <laughs> No,
3: I think there's plenty of positives taking the game. We played really, really well for a lot of the game. I think the only thing that's let us down in this game and Crystal Palace game is just a couple of moments of lapses of concentration, really. And I think over, I think overall, once a team's. Plays more together, they'll understand what each other's strengths and weaknesses are. Like the team we did, because the team we we won the playoff final is basically been a, it's the same team for the last two years, majority. So I think it's just the team getting used to each other. It's not exactly we we're not good enough. We we obviously are good enough. If you look at the way you've played in both games, even to speak to Spurs fans, they knew they were worried once we equalised because we um, we did have chances. So I think it's just about the team gelling and sort of cutting out these uh, not I wouldn't say errors, but just lapses in concentration.
1: Really. Fair enough, Ben.
2: Yeah, uh, I thought we gave a great account of ourselves against a quality top four team with a huge amount of Premier League experience and clearly a team that was a cohesive unit last season and looks to be a, probably a title challenger again this season. We, sh- we showed huge amount of potential in flashes and particularly that 20-minute period after half-time. Um, once this team... Uh, gels and becomes a cohesive unit ourselves we're going to be very very dangerous and uh, you can see clearly that all the players are buying into the identity and that this year week sorry there was uh, a huge progression um, even against the Crystal Palace game particularly in the midfield Kenny and Seri sort of got off each other's toes and started to create a little bit more I think we'll really go on to impress this year um, it'll just be a couple of weeks until we get there. And I think Brighton and Burnley are going to be huge games. We do need to get something out of both of them.
1: Indeed. And uh, Jack, uh, they thought that they were only going to sell out 25,000 seats at Wembley on Saturday. That didn't turn out to be true.
0: No, although it wasn't packed and it was reasonably quiet. Yeah, you know, it was. There was a lot of, you know, most of the noise being made from the Fulham End, which isn't something we say lightly because it doesn't happen massively no, it was quite, often. It was
3: quite an England game-like atmosphere. Yeah, it felt
0: a bit touristy, but... You know, it's Wembley, and it's hard to you know get it full. and like, you know, and the truth of the matter is, it is just a big stadium, and you know, for a standard Premier League yeah. game against lower, lower, you know, even even, a, even, even, Wemble-
2: even England games don't even sound that loud. I yeah. mean, me and Dom have probably been to a fair few over over the years, and I've never seen it rocking per se. Apart from when we played Poland to qualify for twenty fourteen, that was it. Dom, you only do it for lottery points, don't you?
1: Well,
3: yeah, that's true. I mean, only, I'm only doing like most of the home games for the next two years, so I don't have enough caps for the Euros. But um, I mean, England, yeah, England games. I think it'll be a better atmosphere, obviously. But this isn't the Free Lions podcast, so I don't know why we're speaking
1: too much about England because you know G- Jack's not England's biggest fan. So yeah, fair enough. He wants to talk about hurling. Okay, up next, uh, we're gonna have a bit of a debate about <laughs> ticket prices.
3: Hello, I'm Lucas Piazon and you're
0: listening to Fulhamish Podcast.
1: Welcome back to the Fulhamish Podcast. My name's Sammy James, here with Ben Jarman. Hello, Sammy. Tom Betts. Hello, hello. And Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. Yesterday on your Instagram story, you were watching, I thought it was Gaelic football. You've since corrected me that it was hurling. It was. That, I mean, me and Ben Same were just... It's
0: toilet, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tom.
1: <laughs> you're totally throwing me there. I mean, um, explain this hurling nonsense. I've never seen it. It is. If
0: it's a ludicrous game um it was a good game yesterday an unbelievable game it's basically like rugby posts with football goal underneath them okay Three, you get a goal rules sort of no there are three there's three posts in all okay. the rules um but you get three points for a goal under the bar and one point for over and then basically everyone has like a, basically a hockey stick with a big thing on the end and they whack a cricket ball around each other but it's also full contact um which makes it absolutely brutal and you know it's also like you know very high scoring so you know Limerick were nine points up with five minutes to go which is normally enough but it was pulled back to within one point within, by the end of the game and it was all very tense but So Limerick who do you won. support? Well my dad's dad's from Cork so they'd be my first count but my dad's mum's from Limerick so as a second team they um, very much came in for me yesterday
1: Is that a done thing having two teams?
0: Yeah it's, it's more common because a lot of people from two counties imagine
1: Okay fair enough Ben your thoughts on hurling?
2: Um <laughs> can say i've i've watched about 10 or 15 minutes of it on sky and i've never felt my brain to be so turned to mush as quick as i did when i watched hurling also like the fact that jack explained this in his incredibly thick irish accent
1: yeah and no, it, it helps it does that. help
0: yeah i, I think i've explained it really well it but like it's it's full contact but people are just whacking a cricket ball at each other it's i also nuts. i also it's saw,
2: absolutely brutal i also saw a version of I think it's pretty much the same game, but it looks like the guys are whacking around the uh, three pound inflatable beach ball you get down the <laughs> shops and uh, you just whack it over the bar and then occasionally you get it in the net below. I don't know what that one is. That's Gaelic football. Yeah. Yeah. Also not a big fan of that one, but it was more fun to watch than the hockey stick. One. I've decided recently
0: that people only say that they don't like sports when they don't understand them.
3: Yeah, all of them are just terrible
0: sports. No, no, I, no. I, no, I, no. I, I, uh, I, I feel like that, if you feas- if you feasibly like understand the game, it's hard to not like. They, you can like explain reasons why someone might not be entertained by like rugby, for example. Hmm. But and, and that's fine. I'm completely okay with that. But I always say that people are always like that sport is that
2: sport is rubbish is when they actually don't understand what's going on. I, I can mean, appreciate rugby, the rugby It's
0: rubbish. You but you can appreciate the sport. I, I can the appreciate point. the like, sport
2: because to play at any high level of. of- any for, for any any sport regardless requires a huge amount of you know commitment and a huge amount of talent and you know time so i can understand that i i, I think your statement is slightly incorrect because i understand tennis and that's still shit so <laughs> yeah,
0: you can find it boring but it's just that it's not the it's not like a, i'm not saying personal preference is mm. to say but you can find a sport boring without being like you can understand that the people who play tennis play are ridiculously high level prefer so, yeah. curling anyway Fair enough.
1: thanks. Curling all. is a great sport. Uh, Curling one out. Make sure you check out the Fulhamish YouTube channel. There's um... some <laughs>
0: good <laughs> having a laugh in the studio today
1: there's some good content on the Fulhamish youtube channel you should definitely check it out <laughs> yeah, what a
2: first <laughs> one out um
1: yeah basically that's what it is no there's a fan cam with jack kelly uh where he's getting thoughts of fans after the games uh including a chat with tom kearney so make sure you see that and also dave preston today actually unleashed a sick version of on the road which is going to be our new video that we're putting out this season it's a stormer yeah so he went to wembley a uh, bit of a match day experience vibe, and uh, yeah, it's definitely well worth watching, so make sure you subscribe to the Fulhamish YouTube channel. We would do an FPL update, but the match day isn't over, so, so we can't, We can't, unfortunately, but I don't know if there's a Monday game next week. If not, we will make sure that we update the uh, Fulhamish FPL table and give you an idea of who's in the top ten. Yeah. I'll have Two it.
0: weeks to manager of the month as well, all very exciting.
1: Yeah, there is a, there is a Monday night football next week,
3: United Tottenham. All right, well, we'll just have to maybe
1: do a top Obviously, the big game
3: is Roma-Atalanta, which I'll be watching instead, so that's fine. Um,
0: Thank you, resident expert on bets on the mic.
1: Yes. Uh, So, ticket prices. Look, on Thursday's Fulhamish Extra, uh, we're going to have a big section devoted to this. Um, It's been a topic that we've wanted to, to address maybe for the last six weeks, but with transfers and the new season and the Premier League, it was all just a bit too much to really go deep on it. But you will have almost definitely noticed that the prices in uh, certain aspects of fulham have gone you know pretty high season tickets if you bought them early enough were reasonable because basically the club did them at championship level um and it was a good deal Mm -hmm. you know and to pay the same price whether in the championship or the premier league obviously it was the same for the championship but you got more games so that's how kind of how the club could justify that and I got my season ticket for £450, which for Premier League football is very, very reasonable. And this isn't really that area that we're addressing. Um, The new season ticket prices came in and they were a lot, lot higher after we got to Wembley uh, and won there. And we were confirmed in the Premier League. Some season tickets went up by £200. Now that is an aspect that I think we can debate a little bit. But for me, the individual match day prices at Fulham are very high and recently i think last week they announced that hammy end versus bournemouth 45 pounds now that's pretty pricey for me so we're going to have a big section devoted to this on fulhamish extra on thursday Uh, we're going to speak to different fans Uh, we're going to speak to archie who's kind of a friend of the pod he's also newly a member of the fst and also um, has experience with german football and it's often quoted as the kind of model that many English fans would like to see over here uh, and also going to try and get a word from the FSF as well, the Football Supporters Federation, about this particular issue and what they're trying to do to cap it and they're the people that brought in the £30 cap initially. I think they actually wanted 20 but, you know, 30 still not a bad achievement for away ticket prices. So, Jack, I'll, I'll start with you. Your thoughts on this ticket price raises because for me, a £45 versus Bournemouth is not value for money for what you're getting.
0: I suppose it depends on how well we play. But more than that, I think that the kind of proof will be in the pudding with it. If Fulham sell that game out or, you know, it's 95% sold out, then it's justified for the club, isn't it? You know, it doesn't matter what, you know, really what I think or, or you think. or You know, yes, it matters to keep an, a you know a level of dialogue with the fans. And I think that, you know, it would have been good if they'd kept those prices low. But if they're selling that game out, then... But I'm not sure I agree with that
1: because this was the whole thing that top six clubs were saying. They were saying uh, when uh, away ticket prices were ludicrous and they were every time having to pay the 50, 60 pounds because they are a big team. And they were saying, look, we just happen to support a big team here. Of course, we're going to sell it out. We're Liverpool and we're going to travel to every ground and take every single ticket. That doesn't mean that we should be paying, you know stupid prices and i agree just because you sell it out i don't think that's an argument to charge whatever you like
0: i, I think it's an argument that the club will use i don't i'm not saying that it's right or wrong i'm just putting the, the kind of arguments on the table of yeah. what, what people say is that they say if we get to a 95 percent, you know sellout rate then they're going to justify themselves by the fact that they're selling it out do i think it's a good thing no of course i don't i think that it would be excellent if we you know charged You know, kids, much lower prices. I know obviously there is a discount, but it's still reasonably expensive. You know, first day of the season, a kids ticket was still, you know, 27, 30 quid in the Hammersmith end. Mm. You know, and I think that if we're trying to be a club that is trying to grow our fan base and, and, and develop it in the local area, which is, you know, what it should be, because... You know, a good football club is not just a club; it's a bastion of the community that surrounds it. And if we're going to try and do that, then those ticket prices should be lower in order to try and attract new fans and attract people to the club that are around the club. So yes, there's a massive argument for, for all of these things, but you know, there's there's also an argument to be had that you know, if you were in the there in the Championship, and uh, this is the point in in terms of season you know season tickets and things, then you know, and someone you know a lot of people would just be like, oh, Fulham are back in the Premiership. They're I'll just go and watch six big games. I'll mm. go and watch Tottenham. I'll go and watch Liverpool, Arsenal. Where, you know, you, that is a day-tripper crowd. And they do exist. You know, I'm not I'm not throwing fingers at you or know, whatever. You know, you can support whoever you want and you don't have to be a Fulham fan. But if you're listening to this, I kind of assume you are. Yeah. But there are people who will do that and just use the cottage as an excuse to see other teams in the Premier League. And I'm not totally averse to the club charging people through the nose for that.
1: But I think you're more likely to end up in that situation of just getting those fans that are tourists can afford the more expensive ticket and then you'll price out genuine Fulham fans that maybe just can't attend every single game. I think Ben I actually kind of was really wanting to get to you on this because you've just got a season ticket this year. Mm -hmm. You haven't had one for the past few years so you've kind of been buying tickets ad hoc. Now the reason you didn't have a season ticket was for numerous reasons you don't actually live that close to Fulham. Getting there's difficult um, job, work life etc. And Chris Waldock says here, no point in me having a season ticket due to other commitments Um, i try to get to a few home and away games each year home prices will put a massive dent in that to be honest away games maybe if i can get a ticket Uh, one per season ticket holder makes that tricky though and surely you'd be thinking if you didn't have a season ticket this year 45 pounds bournemouth i might give that a miss
2: i'd automatically say no to 45 pounds at home against bournemouth the reason i got a season ticket this year is because like you say, a couple of other commitments outside of work dropped. Um, and I wanted to gamble on the team. Myself and my cousin got my hour season tickets back in very early March. Um, even when there was no certainty that we would go up, even when we were in the middle of a good unbeaten run, there was still some uncertainty that, you know, the wheels might fall off. and We might not make it. Um, I think, you know, Fulham are doing a massive disservice to themselves in all the work that they've done over the previous three and a half years making the fan base and the club closer together now they've completely done the opposite and ostracized themselves from the everyday fan because the prices are way too high not everybody can afford 45 pounds for a ticket So, for example it's you your dad and your son figuratively um and you have to pay for all of them to go that's going to be 120 quid for free tickets no one really has 120 pounds spare and i'm not one to really go hard at the club because I fully support them in everything they do or most things, but this is disgusting it really is. I
1: mean Farrell uh, isn't here today but he's done us uh, some stats the man loves nothing more than an Excel spreadsheet, he loves spreadsheet. just literally gets off on it um, and <laughs> where is this podcast going today um, and he's done what's called a weighted average Dom and basically the weighted average as far as I understand it means you take the prices and how much amount, an average weighs? Yeah. Basically the average ticket, but he's also factored in how many tickets of a certain price back are available because it's very easy for the club to go, Oh well, we've got five hundred tickets at twenty pounds in the family zone. So it it's a bit of slow pa- day at work. 20, twenty pounds minimum. It probably was. The weighted average As an, an accountant
0: t- <laughs> it's always a slow day at work.
1: <laughs> the weighted average of a Watford ticket is fifty pounds and nine pence. That's the average ticket in the stadium. I mean that to me and that's not including hospitality or anything that is just normal tickets surely that's too hard well no
3: what the way i've seen it this season if you don't have a if you have a membership and not seen it there's no point going to home games there's yeah. genuinely no point yeah. because if you go to an, if you go to away games as such, you're going to be paying thirty one twenty five maximum for a match ticket. If it's a normal Saturday three o'clock kickoff and you book trains when they first come on sale, you're not going to be paying more than forty fifty quid, and that's an, and that's adult train tickets as well. I mean, once you get to Newcastle, it'll get a bit higher. I mean, and, the only, and a, a big problem is uh, with Liverpool being midday on a Sunday. The, there's one train that leaves in the morning, but there's no standard class advance ticket, so you have to buy. The first class advance, which is cheapest with a rail cars 42 yeah. quid, and so that's 80 quid there. But I mean, if yeah, if, if I didn't have a scene ticket, I was only a member. If we think about Dave Preston, is Dave a scene ticket or is he no, still no. he's just a member? So if I was him, the only you're most likely going to be able to get tickets for all away games for me because I mean, I think if you have. If you have 300 plus, I reckon you can get in a way to get for every single match. Yeah. So there's literally no point in going to home games unless you want to go to the odd one. If you want to go to watch, F- watch Fulham or scene, just go away from home. It's going to be a lot, lot cheaper for you.
1: But surely that's a flawed... That's
0: mad, isn't no, it? No, no, it's, it's, a mad, no mad. It's, it's
3: ridiculous. But it's, it's the way it is. Because it's what I don't understand, right? So a Palace fan who with play Burnley on Sunday, right? they pay 31 25 to sit in your way end right or stand in your way end whatever the next block along is going to be like 50 quid
2: it was 50 quid
3: yeah i mean that's loot lud- it's that's ludicrous it's the same stand you could literally be one seat away from someone else let's say where the divide is in your way end and, this and you're is- paying 20 quid more it's and-
1: it's a joke and this is the thing for me and and okay yes some of the big clubs are going to take that whole the end but i st- and-, and i know there's this problem with the segregation and they can't segregate the fans easily in that putney end. On
0: that note, if we aren't trying to factor that into our riverside plans, we're missing so many tricks. Like an an entrance for away fans that stops us having to do this because that the time for this is over. It's fine having a neutral stand, theoretically, It's fine. We don't need it anymore. If you want to have a stand that people can sit in as day trippers, fine, but keep it Fulham.
1: We yeah. have enough fans now. I think there was a point when we got up to the Premier League where we couldn't genuinely fill 25,000 seats full of Fulham fans. It's
2: just, we it's, can now. We're a big uh, enough we, club. It's, we, it's just we, genuinely disheartening because every every experience we've had in the last year will now be diluted by fans that have come there as a tourist because the real fans now can't afford to do they've it been and, out. and they've been priced out and there are fans who would want a season ticket but may, maybe could not have afforded it at that point they've got a membership and as Dom says it's completely useless having one you might as well just piss into the wind it's not It's not going to happen I think all of you guys know that I like Athletic Club Bilbao I've been over to see them numerous occasions and with the help of a fan club uh, we, we managed to get a couple of tickets for them and they were 20 euros each Mm. and they were really, really good seats as well. I tried to help the guys from the Pentland Club, who are the Bill Bow London fan club, um, get two tickets for Crystal Palace in the Putney end, bearing in mind these are the only seats left. Adult prices, they were 55 quid. Mm. £110 for two adults to watch a football game is disgusting. That is the middle I don't care the- if it's the Premier League or if that's the way it is now. It's horrible. It's, it's right. dilating. It's diluting football. There's the a middle
1: of the row Premier League game. At the end of the day, when you break it down, these are two teams that are gonna probably finish anywhere between about eighth and eighteenth. Hopefully, fingers crossed. I think
0: that there's something to be said for the fact that you know I, I completely agree with you uh, on your entire point. You know I can I can see the club going. Okay, it's the first game back. We, we you know it's a big occasion. it doesn't make it right, but I can understand it. It doesn't then for translate into Bournemouth. Watford, yeah. you know those games. If 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 they were going to do that as a one-off because it was the first game back and it's a huge occasion, it hurts. But I can see it. I just do why, why it doesn't translate com- further on.
3: Why away fans are paying less to watch football in our own stadium? As much thirty, the thirties plenty, or whatever the thirty pound cap on away to is is great. I've really enjoyed it this season. You're not going to be paying forty quid to go to a certain games. But United. Yeah, Leeds United have Wednesday were the main culprits, obviously, in the championship. But surely there should be... Why is it only on away tickets?
1: Why isn't... Well, and when it's just been so proven that there was an article last week from the BBC who actually, to be fair to them, you can knock the BBC all you want, but they do go... On a limb every season to show the price of football, and and I think their pressure has helped some of the stuff that we see in terms of subsidised coaches, uh, these ticket incentives, and and all of that, and and it's proven that in the Premier League, ticket revenue, the actual amount that is gone that it makes up of a club's revenue as a whole is minute yeah I it's agreed. nothing well, the only t- they could t- charge no money most Premier League clubs and still make profit and still no, make the profit. only ticket I'd possibly
3: understand being 50 quid is like the ones literally in the riverside on the halfway line
1: yeah Oh, yeah, if you want an amazing view, I think this is discounted. But these are hammy ends. No, hammy,
3: for me, you shouldn't be paying more than 25 quid to sit in yet. Just sitting. in Agreed. Yeah, it's 45
1: Agreed. quid for Watford. It's 50 quid for Arsenal. And, you know, those big six games are a bit of an anomaly. They are such massive clubs, and maybe it's the time where the club can cash Appreciate in. It. But why are the club cashing in? They're getting hundreds of millions of pounds from the TV, and... Ten pounds per just, fan just doesn't seem to make a difference. It just to
2: me. feels like now we've now we're back in the big leagues that something at the club has changed and all they want to do is look for money and I, I don't know if that's because there's been a change in commercial director or what and the fact that he's wanted to change you know the, the ethos of the club to make as much money as they can but it's you know you've priced out half your fan base there regardless of fulham being in a in a wealthy area the areas around it and not necessarily that well no you're just pricing out, out your fan
3: base the exactly. other thing
2: is that we've always prided ourselves on being a family club right you know for
0: better or for worse we've prided ourselves on that and yeah. now we've, we're pricing out it. families yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah
0: as in it's all well and good you know pricing out i mean it's not well and good but you know there's there's you know Something to be said for whatever they want to charge an adult, but even if they are charging that much, charge a quid for a kid, like it's yeah. fine. Just, it, but you are pricing up the a new, a new,
3: the new sort of fan base. I mean, our fan, yeah. our younger fans who've been going to like away against yeah, you know, yeah, predominantly yeah. has increased a lot. Massive, the, and it's been so good over the last three or four years because That's of the our away attendances
1: have have almost, I'd say, doubled. double, in five if not tripled
2: well, yeah. I would like to say just quickly that when my cousin Alfie got his season ticket. Uh, back in March, we paid ninety nine quid for him. Bearing in mind he is he is under eighteen, or just yeah. turned eighteen. Ninety nine pounds a Premier League game is bloody good value. Yeah, but after the turn, after we got promoted, that season ticket went up quite a bit. Yeah, I think well, and we we sit in the Johnny Haynes stand, so I pay six hundred and twenty nine pounds for the year. He pays ninety nine, and I think uh, since we got promoted, my ticket went up to eight hundred, and his went up to a, a little bit more. And I know Jack, you're you're family are under twenty ones at the moment and yeah, they yeah. also have a season ticket at that level and it wasn't yeah. that much.
0: No it wasn't. It was two hundred and ninety nine in yeah. the Hammersmith land for an under twenty one th- season. Yeah, I think ticket. Mine... Yeah, and
2: not many eighteen year olds or anything like that can afford two hundred and ninety nine pounds in one hit. Yeah, bearing in mind we do a finance deal. But even so that's a that's a fair whack. Yeah, I think none, an adult an
3: adult in Hammersmith for me was five forty, something yeah. like that. Five fifty?
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: So, you know, it, it's it's sad. It is the truth of it. Is it, it's nothing more than sad. It, it, it's gonna end up you know, severing that link that people have worked so hard to build up again between the yeah. club and the fan base, and and we all know what happens when that happens is because it, it becomes poison again, and people yeah. stop, you know, thinking about things rationally and logically, and and then you lose that whole kind of well, I think appeal that's helped helped us drive back
2: up the leagues, right? Even though it's been one game at home, the calls are already out, and do you reckon it's because people are paying so much for an individual ticket? Season tickets always been good value but an individual ticket is where this relationship between the club and the fans and the team will break down and we're already seeing some of the after effects of it after just one game
1: and when like you know things are good Fulham are back in the Premier League if this is starting now I'd hate to see it down the road if we are in trouble because you know this these kind of issues will become more and more pertinent pertinent to fans you know mm. it's you can almost get away with it when, when the team are winning loads because people do kind of ignore it you know none of us thought twice about paying 60 plus pounds to go to Wembley in the playoff final did we it was a one
0: off I mean we did but it was a one off no so exactly was...
1: but what I'm saying is when things are good people do ignore the ticket prices a little bit less but if it doesn't start to go well then um, i think this issue will there become There is also even is more... one
3: other issue when not ticket pricing but when it comes to ticketing itself ever since we've moved to Ticketmaster Obviously. is that you can't choose where your mm. sit- seat is in the event it's always been that if you want to stand you go towards the back if you want to sit down you go you you, you book your ticket towards the front and i think they need to bring that back because with because there's more london away guys and more local ish away games there's going to be a higher away crowd if you think about it the only sort of londonish ones we had would be qpr brentford millwall and then if you see local issue you can say brighton i guess when we played them so I, I don't know there needs to be and it needs to be away because you're just going to get issues because some fans want to stand up some want to sit down
1: uh, i just want to give a few tweets that we got the other day on this uh, out uh, we got loads of discussion yep. in on this so we Which can't is good. we can't read everyone's uh, Vincent's um, moved to Hull travels down once or twice a month so a season ticket just isn't cost effective and he says the price hike is too much £45 for Watford and Bournemouth I'll stay away from the big games uh, as well at £55 Owen oh, on another side I think they're pretty fair if we hadn't been relegated they would be at least the same if not higher I'm not sure I 100% agree but you know your, your point is your point uh, Harry Taylor I think it's ludicrous didn't the club have a ranking system for teams we faced at home in the Prem last time Class A Teams are expensive, then Class B and C would usually be around 25 to 35 for adults. Seemed like a more plausible system of charging more for better games. Yeah, it does seem that some. You know, there, there was always going to be the top six games that are expensive. It, it seems yeah. to me that other games have moved into this bracket. Um, finally, uh, one here from Michael Cox. Absolutely no issue with the pricing whatsoever. If you're that big a fan, you'd have a season ticket. I don't, by the way. Otherwise, games like Burnley and Watford, adult seats for £25 is fine. Uh, we will sell out most games. The pricey ones are justified by what's on show. I mean...
0: The fact that there's a range of opinions here shows that there's a debate. I, I think that's OK. You know, there, there can always be a debate about these things. Yeah. But I think that there are, there is plenty of work to be done in terms of, you know, it, it's yes, you can justify it. That's the, the whole point is that the club can justify it because they'll be able to via numbers, but it doesn't make it right.
1: Yeah. Um, let's get into the post bag. Uh, we have about maybe 10 minutes to just get through some questions, Jack.
0: Got a great question here to start with. It's kind of relevant um, to this. Should season tickets start being sold in the Putney end to form the neutral zone ultras?
1: I mean, no. neutral zone ultras is is a part of is a club I want to be part of. Dom, would
0: you join the neutral what, what zone? Well, the NZUs,
1: yeah. You, <laughs> you, <say. laughs>
0: you can make a big flag and be like, yeah, we are here, the NZU.
1: Someone tried to make a little bit of a clan in the Putney end years ago. I mean, I'm talking like 10, 12 years ago on the message boards. I remember someone tried to start a bit of a supporters club, I think of quite young people over in the Putney end. And I think it for a couple of games it worked and there was a bit of chanting. They maybe managed to get 20, 30 people, but it, it did actually fizzle out pretty quick. I just remember that was a thing once upon a time i think even back in the days of when the official website had a forum
0: yeah we actually those? spoke to the bloke last year who made that forum didn't we
1: oh yes we did yeah,
0: yeah what a guy right okay that was um that was a fun question thank you tamador uh this one is from luke johnson he says Sess has put in two poor performances and looks like he has you know little attacking work rate for example he says, AK has less quality than Cessnion, but was involved far more. Should Cessnion be potentially dropped right now at the moment for Sherla or Abu Bakr Kamara? I'm going to start with you, Dom.
3: Uh, no. He has had two poor games, I will put it that, but I don't think he's had like droppable sort of performances. Yes, he hasn't. Kamara probably has helped set up more chances, as I mentioned earlier, but I think... He need, yeah, I think if playing against Burnley, if he has another poor game, then you can think about bringing bring, playing a front three of Kamara, Mitchell, and Sherlock at Brighton. But I think it's only been two games. I think given he needs to have a couple more games. I mean, he's adjusting to a, diff, to a new league. I mean, all the players are. So I don't think it's necessarily dropable. Yes, his performance have not been up to scratch, but yeah, I think he should still be playing against Burnley this weekend.
0: In that regard, would you? You know, it's all well and good saying he's acclimatising to the league, but there's no harm in acclimatising to the league through substitute appearances.
3: No, there isn't. I just, I just don't think he's played that bad that he. Just to be dropped, I think. Yeah, he hasn't been playing amazing, but you know, I sort of stick with this, with the either the same four three or bring in Sherla for
1: Kamara. So, um, the only thing I was going to make a point here was uh, Farrell actually did kind of get a prediction right this weekend in saying that he thought that AK might be brought into the starting lineup. However, he said he thought it would be Sess that was dropped and, uh, and not Sherla Look, um, Slav has showed against Spurs that he's not afraid to make a couple of big drops if you see what I mean like you know dropping McDonald I still think is quite a bold move considering how much of a fundamental part of our team he is and, and to drop Shirler. I mean I was I was stunned and actually I thought Shirler was pretty effective uh, against Crystal Palace so Slava's shown he's got some cojones and I, I, think, and I think it will certainly not rule sess out from from being dropped I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility
2: I don't think he'll be dropped uh, by Slav. I just I just can't see it happening. But I do think Don makes a great point. He's a he's a young kid trying to acclimatise to a league that's a completely different pace of the Championship, yep. and you need to give him maybe five or six games to see how he goes before um, before you know removing him from the squad or giving him a slightly different role. I think one thing that always stands out with Sess is his relationship with the wing back, and he formed one very quickly with Matty Target, and they seem to know each other's strengths and weaknesses inside out almost immediately but I think there's some work to be done between him and Joe Bryan. You know, One when, thing you can talk it. about
3: with Joe Bryan is you saw the amount of inside runs he was making, where yeah. Assess sort of makes... Inside, inside runs, runs as himself. well, so yeah. you then you need to realise that one needs to be on the overlap. If, yeah. you, if
0: you, look you, might at... them, you might see him, you might see him out on the right. Is the other thing. Yeah, if, well,
3: well if no, if you he look did look play at... there a lot in pre-season to be fair, and I, like, oh, I wouldn't be against the idea of having both Schürrle and Sesigny
2: playing as inside forwards. If you look at the average position map from Crystal Palace, like Brian and Sesigny are essentially just making the same moves over and over and over and over, and over again. Um, I think there's there's something that needs to be adjusted down that side to make Sess more effective. Whether that means he comes inside or or moves across to the right permanently, it, it remains to be seen. But you know you can't expect a a, a guy of Sess's age to come in and just absolutely smash a league um, from the off. Um, especially given that he plays in wide areas and this league is one that relies really heavily on very very good fallbacks for a lot of teams. Okay, so we'll we'll move on to a bit more of a fun
0: question, I suppose. Uh, this one's from D4NDB. He says, my wife is pregnant. Should we call our child Breda or Zoltan? Zoltan.
2: Dom?
3: Janichi. <laughs> Janichi.
2: <laughs> 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 Solhaikyo. Yeah.
3: No, Janichi is, Janice is just... Also, I still, still not, I still think it's a disgrace that the in the was number six.
2: <laughs> what, we've just...
0: That's where we've got to, is it,
1: in the we, podcast?
3: But it, it, it is a disgrace... He should have been number nine. 100%. Um,
1: it's got to be Zoltan. I love Breda, but I imagine he spends a lot of his time telling people, no, my name's not Bred. Or Breed. Yeah. Zoltan's a quality name.
0: Yeah. Um, this is a question from Ibs321. He says, do you think Anguita can play with McDonald in midfield if we are playing a more scary outfit
2: like Man City?
3: Oh, Announce double pivot.
0: Ben?
2: <laughs> um... I think he could, yeah, but I think the, the mobility of uh, of Anguissa certainly makes up for the lack of mobility from McDonald. I, I would say that if we were playing someone like City, that you know Slav might actually revert back to a double pivot, and he might actually probably whack four in midfield and try and crowd out the middle and, and try and get really energetic, like a lot of energy in there. Maybe he might go Kevin McDonald. Holding with someone like Steph and Gisa, and then have one of Kenny or Seri at the top of the diamond. He might even go something like that.
3: All right, Kit Simons.
2: Yeah, I mean, it would be, it'd be a bit mad, but it might have to. It might have to work. No, but I think Pep. if
3: if you were to play double pivot in a three midfield, I think
2: Kenny's one should get dropped yeah I agree
0: I think you'd have to I don't think that as as much well, I could think Kenny Seri. did
3: play well I thought it was on, good but I think Seri just is absolutely different like Bisto so it's,
0: you love that phrase <laughs>
3: yeah
0: uh, this one's Adam Bright says he thought Fabry had another poor game but everyone he's reading says he did well in his opinion Rico or Bet should be given the shirt what did you think of his performance
3: I think that opinion's terrible
1: <laughs> I don't really see what Fabry did wrong I thought oh,
3: Fabry no. played really oh, well on, on Saturday. Saturday I
0: think there's there's Caveats to this, he did actually spill a couple, and there, you know, there was it wasn't perfect, but I thought he did quite well given given the fact that we were playing Spurs and
1: and given the fact he faced twenty five, I mean, not, not not all of them a target, but twenty five shots, shots, eleven, 11 on, on target. target, like I thought he did well. He was always going to have, you know, his work cut out. I think. I, I
3: think it was a lot. I mean, the only reason people disliked him in the Palestine is because he made a couple of mistakes. I thought he was good on a good on the weekend. I was wasn't actually expecting him to start. I no. thought Rico was going to come in personally, but I don't, Fabri's done nothing to be dropped for. It's stupid. The whole this whole goalkeeper debate is just stupid. No,
0: I mean, there's there's, there's got to be a debate because Sergio Rico's come in and he's obviously a very very good keeper. But the the point is here that uh, I think that Fabry. Did well on Saturday. It hit the three goals. I don't think he could do anything about, and I don't think many keepers in the Premier League are going to stop any of those. No,
3: no, and also this whole bet thing stupid. There's no time for sentiment in the Premier League. No, we've
0: we've got that. I think I think that debates one that we, we don't need to well, wade yeah, into again. If it again. wasn't from our academy and wasn't English, people wouldn't care. No, about it. No, I know, it. but we don't need to wade into that debate again because we've done it and we we dealt with it. So, but you know, I think there is a debate to be had about Sergio Rico.
1: At the end of the day. The way that Slav is at the moment, Fabry is probably just one bad game away from being dropped. So he has to be on his toes. I thought he was fine against Spurs. I didn't think any of the goals were his fault. The distribution was okay. A couple of spills that you were worried about. The way he bravely came out when uh, after Chambers's poor pass, and I think he was then fouled by Mora. He was. Yeah. You know that's that was really good goalkeeping in my in my opinion. Well, getting fouled. Well, just generally. Well, the winning, Ra- the f- winning the yeah. foul
0: there is actually, yeah. He came great. out,
1: he won it, and it was really, really decisive. So, you know, we, we criticise him for uh, coming off his line too fast against Palace. Credits where he's due there. He did, did very, very well.
0: There's a couple of <laughs> questions here about defenders, uh, and a lot of them are saying in a fully fit kind of, you know, a fully fit team, who are you your back,
2: your back for, basically?
1: Joe Bryan. Oh, I just can't say Le Marchion yet. What's wrong with you, you Joe? Brian,
2: Lamarchand, Mawson and uh, Christie for me.
1: I'm still Just. going with I'm still going with Reem and Mawson.
2: Just and your fullback, mate. Oh, you need um, a fullback.
1: I'll go with Christie, but I could be Fossi mensah or Christy for me at the moment. I thought Fosu-Mensah was okay against Spurs. Done.
3: Uh, set up a partnership of Lamarchand and Mawson. Um, on the left. Obviously, Joe Brian, on the right. Fosu-Mensah.
0: I'm with Ben. I would very much be Brian, Lamarchand, Mawson, Christy.
2: And to bring Fredericks home at Christmas. No, don't bring Fredericks home. He's rubbish. <laughs> but do you think Ream
1: will get an opportunity once he's back and fit? Yes, I do. Yeah,
2: I, I, do. I do think, think he's will. won the trust of Slav. I just said that about
0: Betts and look how far it got me. I think that Tim Ream will get minutes, but I'm just not sure. I think it will have to come at a point where he'll either impress in like a cup game mm. and then be brought into the team on the back of it, or someone will have to make a mistake for him to... What, well, when he density.
3: tears
1: Exeter City to pieces? Is yeah, well so? when he
0: scores a hat-trick against Exeter, then he's then he'll probably return to the team, I'd imagine.
1: Um, That's an interesting one. The fact that they've moved the Exeter game 48 hours after Burnley. I imagine Fulham must have just given it the OK because they're going to play a completely different eleven.
0: Stuart Marshall actually asked this question Oh, okay. about the thoughts of people being moved 48 hours after Burnley.
1: I remember when we kicked off, I think it was involving Burnley again, and we played Burnley on a Monday night and then West Ham in the Cup Mm -hmm. 48 hours later, and Fulham were fuming that time because, of course, we wanted to play a first team uh, in both of them, and then it it never got moved in the end, and I think we lost both games quite convincingly. I think it might have been Coleman at the time, and it's absolutely livid, but I guess... Fulham must have had the option though to move it to the Wednesday but just thought that they'd rather get it out of the way because they're going to play a completely different team it doesn't matter
2: yeah I'd say that they're probably focusing much more on the league than they would be on any other competition right now and obviously the other one that we would probably want to focus on is the FA Cup that doesn't come in for a few months um, I'd imagine that we'll see a whole rift of changes from Fulham it would be quite nice to see some of the the academy boys get another shot at it, and at the end of the nice day, a second eleven perfect. from
1: us is still going to be very much a Premier League quality side because we do yeah. have now a good squad with two players in each position that I think are pretty much Premier League ready.
2: Yeah,
0: I think that's pretty much it. There's there's one more question which we could probably de- delve into quickly, and this is from M Kino eighty four. He says. With Mawson, Ream, Chambers, Le Marchand, Adoy, I suppose you could chuck Fossu-Mensah in there as well. Should we be tempted to try three at the back? Slot and Guisol came back as cover while we attack. Have Sess and Fossu-Mensah or Christie as attacking win-backs to relieve them of defensive duties? No.
3: No? No, I don't. Every time, I know we haven't had we any had these players, but every time I've seen this when has tried to play a three at the back, I just don't think the way he likes to play football works in that system and if we did try it for one game we'd see it probably didn't have worked then we won't use it again I don't think we have the time to try and adapt to a new system at the moment
0: yeah it's reasonable Ben
2: um, I, yeah, I think I agree with Dom and that we've seen Slav try three at the back on numerous occasions and not once has he made it work anywhere near succinctly enough to win a football game uh, We he tried it against Reading and they exposed us right away in the middle of midfield and we looked dangerously outnumbered I'd say the same thing would probably happen again in the Premier League. I I do love the idea of Fulham perhaps playing three at the back, but I think under this manager it probably wouldn't work because Slav's so devout uh, to four at the back system. I mean, if we're getting the best out of all of our players playing the system we are now, I don't see any re- like any real need to change. But perhaps as the season goes on, that might be a case. Sam?
1: I only think only caveat to that is. Although we have tried to play through at the back a couple of times, I remember reading away and it was a disaster. And th- when did he play through at the back last season?
0: There was a game. There was a game. I can't remember. There what it was, was a was game that.
3: last season. Yeah,
1: that's correct. Uh, and
2: it was, was it it Bristol it City.
0: It...
1: I
2: think it might, might well have been. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we we lost two nil yeah. at home. We were really bad that day. Yeah, we couldn't pass. But, there but... was nothing in midfield. So this system is so key on holding the ball in midfield and making angles and. Uh, Uh, using the middle of the pitch almost as a centre of a dartboard and spraying out to wide areas to expose teams that if you move that focal point backwards then it's so easy for other teams to come on to you and it's so hard to distribute the ball because obviously the passing length has to be longer. So you don't think the personnel
1: matters? We could have... We could have... If we play this system the three at the back is fundamental.
0: 100% because basically I was just about to jump in on that exact point. Basically in the... system that we play, the the fullbacks push on and the defensive midfielder drops in to split the centre-backs, which basically makes it three at the back in possession with the two fullbacks pushing forward. So basically what you do with by playing three at the back is you just end up having an extra defensive midfielder in your midfield, which reduces the kind of output from your wing backs because Mm. you then have an extra man behind and you lose you lose someone in the center of the park which is so crucial to the way we play so therefore if you have less people in the middle to overload the middle because that's what we do the fullbacks go wide and we push everything through the middle and then we spray and if you then have three at the back with a defensive midfielder you lose one of the three men in the middle at the time and then you and if you try spray. to play,
1: if you try to play three at the back with an out and out defender who then tried to fill in kind of going forward and vice versa, you're then getting someone that can't hold onto the ball. That Precise, well I think th- you're just
2: not using people in their right positions, basically. Yeah, I think the sentiment so here comes from the, the edge fact edge edge that Chelsea edge. recently have made three at the back so popular, and um, it's it's given them an edge. Um, obviously, under Conte, um, not so much last season. But the way that that works was because the focal point there was Aspillaqueta. And he was the guy that made everything change for Chelsea And that when they were attacking, he moved up into a wing-back position and vice versa on the other side. And that meant that Marcus Alonso could push up very high and meant that Victor Moses could push up very high and that the wingers would come in narrow and give them a threat going forward. All of that relies solely on that right centre-back, which was And I don't think we really have a player like that and I don't see how we could get it to work. No.
1: Uh, if you can use him by his real name though, please. Which is Dave.
2: Oh, sorry. Yeah. He's only known as Dave. Sorry, but he's a Basque legend. So, we'll is that all
1: it. for the questions? Today? Uh, I think that's probably
0: about the question bag. And yeah, we've there, you know, there are lots of questions that we answered throughout the podcast as, as ever. Um, so, thank you for all your questions. We try and answer as many as we can. But I think that's probably all we've got time for today.
1: Um, probably fair as. We're at Love Sports Studios to give the Love Sports show a plug, which is with Don Betts uh, each Wednesday from 8.30 now is our new time. Uh, yeah, 8.30 to
3: 10 on a Wednesday. Uh, it's usually me and Guy Barlow, but sometimes other guests. I've uh, tried to get as many guests on as possible. We had uh, some of French Football Weekly last week to talk about Nguyssa. Tom Gricek's chaired a uh, fun Sports Trust talking about the... Um, Ticket prices. Had a Fulham fan from Fulham in the south in America. Just don't know how they watched the game. So we
1: sort of it's a bit different to the podcast. Try to get more sort of interaction from Fulham fans. And if you don't know, you can listen on uh, five five eight AM if you live in London, or just go to lovesportradio.com dot com every Wednesday eight thirty. It's a good show. Yeah, give uh, us a call. Get involved, and you can give yeah, you can give a call, them call as well. So it's something a little bit different to the podcast. So uh, if you've made it this far in the podcast, you clearly like it and clearly like Fulham and clearly want more Fulham content so make sure you check it out each Wednesday and it's also available on catch up isn't it
3: yeah if you go on the website hit the on demand section on the sort of top of the website you can scroll into the Fulham fan show and you can listen back basically as soon as the show ends at ten o'clock
1: cool Uh, Fulhamish Extra will return on Thursday before we do that let's get a pod name Secretary Jack Collins don't panic don't panic (laughs) yeah I'm calling it don't panic Okay, fair enough. Okay, so make sure you check out Fulhamish Extra on Thursday, where we'll be previewing the Burnley game, which, if you don't know, has moved to Sunday at 4 o'clock. Same day as Carnival, so uh, Carnival Jack is uh, very upset. I am quite burnt out. Um, so we'll be previewing the Burnley game, speaking to a fan from No Nay Never, and we'll be going deep on these uh, ticket prices, which uh, we've obviously discussed at length between ourselves on the pod, but we're going to get some outside opinion. Uh, on Thursday's podcast so if you're interested in that subject please do get involved on socials at Fulhamish Pod let us know what you think uh, and yeah make sure you listen to that podcast but for now to Ben Jarman thank you very much thank you Sammy Don Betts thank you very much all right. Jack Collins thank you very thank much thank you Sammy uh, we'll see you on Thursday take care later, later. Bye.